for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, as we mentioned. Lyle and Lawson, of course, a special shout-out this morning to all those living in Gympie, Queensland, listening on 87.8, Wollongong, New South Wales, on 87.8, and Port Augusta, South Australia, also on 87.8. Mm. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? I am thankful to be alive. It's a good thing to be thankful and for. And okay. And, you know, yeah, after the show yesterday, I ended up going to the hospital, the yes, emergency department. I took Lawson to the emergency that's straight right. after the show yesterday. And he was not looking good at all. That's right. Suspecting that I had some kind of organ failure or something. Basically, I had this very extreme pain around my ribs and in my back, and I couldn't feel it externally. I'm like, oh, man. Man, there must be something going on inside and, you know, my organs are failing and I'm going to die. And, so- and this was Lawson. He's like, I'm dying, but I'm going to finish the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know. You you didn't hear it in his voice. He was like, <laughs> had his head on the desk in between segments. But as soon as it was time for him to talk, his head was up and he was sharing Jesus with you. So just <laughs> getting out there going for it. But- and, and Lawson is a hero. It's not often that I go to the hospital. In fact, I said to Lara, I've been to the ED more than I've been to my GP because I just <laughs> never go to the hospital. And the last time I went to ED was when I broke my ankle. But um, yeah, I got in, they twisted me around and they actually found the spot and it actually, it's just a back spasm. So, which, you know, needs resting and healing and, and prayer for, thank you very much. But for the most part, is okay. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Walks with me today here on the, the Breakfast Show this morning. It's time for our quiz before we get into Positively Different Radio. Lawson, what's our first question? When the Earth was created, what hovered over the waters? 0491 is the number to call. Or text if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you'll go into the draw to win our two prizes for this morning. The KJV Bible with Mark Finley Study Helps. This is an amazing leather, high quality Bible, which we'll give you absolutely for free. All you need to do is answer these questions correctly, as well as the book Answers to Difficult Texts by Joe Cruz, the new revised edition. So you'll have a Bible with study helps and an amazing resource. You know, and when it says Answers to Difficult Bible Texts, it's all about looking at those Bible texts that are like, wow, what is what is Jesus saying when I have to hate my father and mother and my parents? What is Jesus actually trying to communicate to me? And, you know, do I just have to hate my parents? Neither Needlessly, what is Jesus trying to say? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you know the answer, and you can go in the drawer to win this book. Uh, and again, that question was, when the earth was created, what hovered over the waters? 0491-064-669. Okay, if you like those ones, you know that, that to get in the running for that prize, you know what the number So give us a call right now. Lawson, what's happening in the world of positively different news? Actually... There's a bit of a, well, I look outside and it's quite cloudy, but there is a bit of a dark cloud over the Faith FM there breakfast is. show this morning. The team, yeah, it's very, very sad. Essentially, basically, last night we got word uh, from our beloved, well, currently fill-in host Monica, uh, that her home. bus, her home. home, 
that she her bus that she lives in her home was stolen, driven into the bush, and set on fire, which is literally like I see that as one of the most senseless acts of just destruction yep. that someone could possibly commit. No, there's no reason, you know. It's not. She was le- basically left standing in the dress that she was wearing and a couple of personal items that were on her, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And she lost everything. Yes. And it was very sad. We got the news last night, and you guys were there to take her out to the side and to, to help her out, which is fantastic. Yeah, she didn't get a lot of sleep last night, but yeah. anyway, I think, we got, I think we managed to get about two and a half hours in. Wow. By the time we got it all taken care of. So if I'm sounding a little bit tired behind the microphone today, that's that's my excuse. But, yeah, it was really, really terrible. Mm. You know, just it's one thing when somebody steals your vehicle. It's another one, when, another thing altogether when they steal your vehicle, your home, your possessions, and then just burn it for no purpose whatsoever no at all. Yeah. They're not stealing just it. Just a senseless act of vandalistic arson. That's right. They're not stealing it for money. Nope. They're not, like, like this isn't even a, a riot where someone's, like, you know, standing up to oppression. It's not a protest. It's, it's, it's just. They didn't take it to strip it for parts. They just stole it and burnt it. Just the worst. Uh, and there is some good news to come out of this. Firstly. Mon's insured, unfortunately, not for the entirety of the contents within her bus, but for the bus itself, she has insurance, so she's going to be getting some money. Yeah, and part back. of the challenge of that, of course, was pre-COVID insurance, and so it's not worth anything like mm. what it, it's worth right now. Mm-hmm. And I would say the other piece of good news, I was just looking up this morning. Well, the best news, of course, is that Mon is safe and safe. Yes, Mon is okay. Yes, for sure, which we are so Praise incredibly God. grateful for. Uh, the other piece of good news that I was looking up this morning, um, the maximum penalty for the theft of a motor vehicle in Australia is 10 years imprisonment. And I really am praying that they find whoever did this and throw this sentence at them because they should. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I wholeheartedly think that a crime like this that is so senseless and so, I, I would say, so violent, just, you know, destroying people's things, yeah, they should throw the full term. If you st- if you stole, again, and think of the circumstances too, you're not just stealing someone's car, you're stealing their home, driving in the bush, lighting it on fire for sick amusement, Throw them in jail for 10 years. And we'll go and visit them in jail and tell them about Jesus. I know. Amen. We will. But they definitely deserve consequences for their actions. Yes. So, yeah. Oh, it was terrible. And you read text messages like that. Like, I got the text last night that that this had happened. And it's just just heart-wrenching. And obviously, we feel for Mon this morning uh, for what she's been through. But, uh, yeah. Apparently, apparently the bus was parked in a place where they do have CCTV footage. And the police had actually found the bus and knew about it before Mon found out that it was missing. So as soon wow. as she called in, it's like, yeah, we know where your bus is. Oof. So really, really um, yeah, rough stuff right there. But mm. there is a GoFundMe page that has been set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you would like a uh, link to that GoFundMe page, just give us a call here on 0491-064-669. Mon is an important part of our breakfast show yeah. team. Has been for many years. Uh, one of the founders of the live show and has been consistently involved ever since. So... Yeah, let us know if there's any way that we can help you out. Mm-hmm. For sure. And again, that number is 0491 You can get in contact with us, uh, yeah, to find the GoFundMe page or to just be, to send through well wishes. 
Yes. Come on. Yeah. Uh, and just, she's just tell her she's loved and prayed for. And she is. Just shoot us a message right now. 0491 mm. And she is some, definitely someone who would appreciate that. So yes. Please send your messages through. Okay. Heavy good news this morning. Yes. Some would yes. say bad news, but still good news. And I think definitely. The good news is that Mon- she's okay. Alive. The yes. draw, the draw from that is that she is okay, which is fantastic. Um, in other good news having to do with vehicles. Now we've been over the last couple of months, we've been talking about, you know, these EV tolls and people making plans for, for flying taxis and all these kinds of things. The tests are taking place, Lyle. The unmanned. Taxi tests are taking place. And I want to ask you the question, guess where they're taking place? Uh, I, I don't know. Like, what, you know, where, where would you think would be the perfect place to take one of these out? Well, not the perfect place, but rather where it would be most likely to happen that they would be testing flying taxis. Tibberborough. Where's that? Uh, somewhere in far western New South Wales, about... Five hours past book. No. Why, why not? Why would they need flying taxis out there? Well, they've not got many things to run into. Yeah, sure, but that's... Because the- then they can practice not running into kangaroos, but- not running into feral goats, <laughs> not running into sheep. But that, but that's the point, is that they need to take it into a city to practice not running into buildings, because that's where flying taxis are going there to are, operate. There are buildings out there. Uh-huh. Some. <laughs> the the water tower, yes, yes. <laughs> the the wind turbine. You get lots of practice out there. I think it's a good idea. Put them in out back New South Wales. Well, no, they're practicing in what I see as the perfect place to practice, or the most likely place that they would end up practicing something like this and testing something like this. Dubai. Okay, so that's pretty much the opposite of Tibbaburra. That's right. You've got a big city that is... Although, although oh. there are places near Dubai that are very like Tibbaburra. Yeah, definitely. It's it's an area, you've got a city in the middle of nowhere that is all about technological innovation. Yes. Uh, that is also in the middle of nowhere, so you have the ability, you know... So you can to- taxi people from the edge of the city out to the uh, sand dune races. Where yeah. Where they race, you know, souped up Nissan patrols against sand dunes. Yeah. And there's not many things to hit out there. That's right. But then they can take them back in and fly them around the Burj Khalifa and, you know, whatnot, which, again, is is travel. That, like, that's the point, is that it's traveling and scary. But I'm thinking, like, oh, you know, this could have been tested in San Francisco or whatever. But it's like, oh, the perfect place to be able to do this is somewhere like Dubai because Dubai Dubai's just loose. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just. Like in in regards to something like this, it's a massive big city, and it doesn't have the same regulations that you'd have in LA. That's right. They're just like, you know, they have regulations in regards to a lot of things. Oh, they do. They do. It's a very well regulated city, no question about that. But to do something like test flying taxis, I could just totally imagine Dubai is like open arms. Like, yes, let's do that. We're talking about a place that has an indoor ski field, like the world's first indoor ski field in the middle of a desert. You're talking about a place which is, yeah. Got the world's like 50 tallest degrees outside and they're going snow skiing inside. That's right. The world's tallest buildings, the world's highest star hotels, all these kinds of things. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and they've been flying it around and they've been, you know, they haven't put any people in it yet. They've been doing flights that have been 35 to 45 minutes long, traveling at uh, 81 miles per hour, you know, getting around the city, going up to about a thousand meters 
of elevation, so just above the Burj Khalifa, you know, 300 metres above the Burj Khalifa. It's a long way up. Yeah, it's very, very high. But, yeah, they've been putting weight and things in it without putting actual people in it. And now the next step is going to be an unmanned EV toll taxi fare. Would you be the first one? I would love yeah, I to. Would totally I would be subject the first one. myself to no that. Question. I would be first in line. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We are about to talk about more serious news. Before we do, we have another question for the quiz. Another question for the quiz. What was the occupation of the prophet Amos? What did he do other than being a prophet? What was what was his job? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you'll go into the draw to win our KJV Bible with Mark Finley Study Helps as long as, as well as, sorry, the answers to difficult texts book by Joe Cruz. We'll give you those for free. You just have to win the draw. And to get in the draw, you have to answer these questions correctly. Again, that question was, what was the occupation of the prophet Amos? 0491-064. Six six nine. So this guy kind of worked two jobs. Yeah, I mean, because the occupation of the prophet Amos is kind of in the title, the prophet Amos. The prophet Amos. But there was another occupation that he had. Yeah. What All right. If you, know, if you know what that is, then uh, give us a call zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okay, so we've got a study coming out here in relationship to sleep, and once again, you find these studies they tend to come out with the obvious and state the obvious. But every time they are done and come up with the obvious and state the obvious, mm. it makes the obvious more obvious. Mm-hmm. So the obvious has become more obvious this morning. And it tells us that sleeping five hours or less a night increases the risk of chronic illness. Mm. We've kind of known this for a very, very long time, but this was published today in the journal PLOS Medicine. And it followed 7,000 men and women employed in the British civil service over 30 years. So I guess what's significant about this one is the sheer number of people involved and the time span involved. So this has taken place over a very, very long time period. So sleep duration at the age of 50, 60 or 70 was associated with a 30 to 40% increase in multimorbidity. Mm. Developing more that which is developing more than one chronic disease, and so this is the first time they've actually looked at the concept of multimorbidity. Morbidity. So they've looked at sleep in the past, and they've discovered that if you sleep, you know, less than five hours a night, you're going to die sooner, die younger, catch chronic diseases much at a much higher rate, etc. Mm. Now, what they've discovered is not just that you will catch a chronic disease or you will get a chronic disease, you'll suffer from a chronic disease um, if you sleep less, but that you will suffer from multiple chronic diseases. Wow. So that's the difference with this study. Uh, so, the, yeah, there's been evidence in the past that has linked sleep duration to individual chronic illness, uh, like heart disease, cancer, arthritis, depression, and diabetes, but this one is the first one that looks at multiple Mm. Uh, in real life, when people get older, they have several diseases, the study has pointed out, um, and that over half of older adults are estimated to have at least two chronic diseases in high-income countries. And that's a really disturbing stat. Uh, one of the stats out there is that the average person in a Western country, Western affluent country, is going to spend the last 12 years of their life suffering with disease. Mm. 
And so one of the big things that we need to be considering is not just length of life but also quality of life. Mm. Because nobody wants to spend the last 12 years of their life suffering with disease. And one of the ways that you can avoid that is by getting your seven to eight hours per night. Mm. Now, they did find that sleeping more than nine hours had a similar result. Mm. However, it appears that a lot of people who are sleeping more than nine hours were already unwell. Mm. and they're sleeping more than nine hours possibly because of the disease or possibly because of the medications that they are taking. Uh, the links are not quite as clear with oversleeping as what they are with undersleeping. Mm. Okay, so we did talk say that we would talk about xenobots, and let's talk about xenobots. Yeah, frogs. Frogs. That go in your body. Body? Yes, so these are these are xenobots they made from frog cells, and they're asking us: Is the future of healthcare? I don't know. I'm vegan. Uh, so this is this is according to the consultancy firm Deloitte, who says that healthcare could be unrecognisable as soon as 2040. Wow! Because of xenobots, uh, developed by Dr. Uh, Douglas Blackiston, who's a senior scientist at Tufts University. Uh, the Allen Discovery Center, Xenobots could be the future of healthcare, he says. They are th- currently in their third generation and they've been created by his team. These are self-powered robots. They're half a millimeter in length. So it's a decent size. They're not, they're, they're pretty big, really, mm. compared to a lot of things in your body. They are made from living frog cells and replicated through artificial intelligence. Uh-huh. Start wrapping your head around this uh-huh. stuff. Okay, it walks around, it swims, it can sense its environment. Uh, Dr. Blackiston says it's difficult to build a tiny self-propelled robot of this design from synthetic materials, so they created it from living cells instead. Uh-huh. Okay, so I, once again, this just is interesting because it was too hard to make it out of... It was too hard for an intelligent designer to design something this small, mm-hmm. so he used something that had already been designed. Mm-hmm. Although he goes on to say that, no, it wasn't designed, it evolved. Mm. So you can't create it, but blind chance can. Mm. Yeah. Yikes. Whatever. Mm. Anyway, uh, it's completely – so one of the, some of the advantages is it's completely biodegradable. It lives in water since they're made from frog cells at the end of their lifespan – there's no garbage left behind. It simply rots away. Mm. So it does. Its, you know, they inject them into your body. It does its thing, and then just you've got rotting frogs in your bloodstream. That's kind of scary. Yeah, they're not frogs, but they're frog cells. Uh-huh. Uh, he says that despite the presence of living cells, they are living cells. They don't meet the traditional biological characteristics of a life form because they are unable to produce offspring, living offspring. Mm. So they reproduce through AI rather than reproducing themselves. Mm. He goes on to say these are the first life forms, though, that were not produced by natural selection or evolution. <laughs> to me, that's just staggeringly like, really? You're going, to, you're going to say that you couldn't do it using synthetic materials? So you used living materials... You as a di- anyway, yeah. 
Evolution is always so cringe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, tell him, well. <laughs> okay, he continues on to say, we're just now starting to think about how comfortable we are in offloading choices that we make as humans mm. to an AI. Yes. And then you always get the questions of safety and ethics of creating something that does not exist in nature. So... Have we created a new invasive species here? Mm. And what's that going to have? Okay, what kind of scary. effect is, is, go, is it going to have once you let it loose? Uh-huh. You know, human beings messing with the natural environment, human beings net messing with genetics, and in this case, creating these things that are robots mm. because they're programmed mm. and they're programmable, but they are living cells. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, every time I read this kind of stuff, it just, it just, it just highlights to me more than ever before that surely this is a sign that Jesus is coming soon. Yeah, you know the Bible talks about knowledge shall be increased, men will run to and fro. Mm. That's the old King, King James version, which simply means that at the end of time, knowledge is going to increase drastically, and that increase of knowledge will inspire men to run to and fro. And here you've got a, just an increase of knowledge that is just off the charts. Mm. He says, he continues on, he says, we as scientists have a pretty tremendously terrible track record about releasing things into the environment with unforeseen consequences. Mm. Yes. That makes me nervous. We do have a very bad track record about that and it makes me very nervous. And I don't know whether I want to go to hospital and be injected with living frog cells. (laughs) Just, just, no. I'd just rather die. Just let me die. (laughs) I mean, what could happen? You could turn into a frog. You could become a frog. That's right. You could become a frog. That's pretty intense. One small story here. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a new housing development in Tasmania called Huntingfield. And cats have been banned. General manager of Kingborough Council would need to personally approve a resident's application to own a cat and be satisfied of the the animal would not wander, and this is to protect the local wildlife. Mm. This is the the start the the movement that Lyle is wanting to start. <laughs> this is this is the steps that it's taking just to uh, ban cats. This is this is where Australia is headed in the future. So mm. why do you think of that one? Let me know. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Uh, it's the breakfast show, which means that we have a quiz happening, and the way the quiz works is that you answer a question, your name goes in the draw for the amazing prize that we're going to be handing out at the end of the week. And this particular amazing prize is going to be a King James Version, authorised King James Version. <laughs> the real one right there. Uh-huh. Uh, there are a number of different King James versions out there, but mm. this is the authorised one. It's leather-bound. It's got Mark Finley study notes in it, so you want to get that. And it's also going to have a book by Joe Cruz, Answers to Difficult Questions. Bible text. Bible text. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's one that it answers. First Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now you are holy. What does that even mean? Mm. If you want to know, then... Send us through. I've got, a, I've, got, I've got a copy of the book sitting here right in front of me, so I can read you those kind of questions all day long, and they will do your head in. Amen. Until you get the book for yourself, and then you will know the answers. But to get this book for yourself, you have to enter into the quiz. Fill in the blank. So then, it is not 
of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth. Blank. Romans 916. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text again. We've talked about the amazing prizes that you can get in and win. And hey, as well, if you want terms and conditions in regards to our quiz, you can head over to faithfm.com.au to find out all that information. But again, so then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth. Blank. 0491 That text is Romans 916. Well, joining us on the phone this morning to talk about emotional health is Jennifer Skews. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Jennifer, one of the things that we've uh, mentioned already this morning is that um, I had a rather... Uh, Shell and I had a rather late night last night because one of our team members, Monica, who is often here hosting on the show, lost her home. Now, her yeah. home was not a traditional home, but it was the, uh, the the cutest bus that you've ever seen. She built it herself um, wow. and has been living in that for you know quite some time, and you know just doing the whole the whole bus life thing. And she went through a horrific experience yesterday, where it was randomly stolen for no apparent reason, driven into the bush and burned, where she was left with basically the dress that she was standing up in and that's it. All of her possessions mm. gone. And, mm. you know, just just being confronted with the horror of that last night and the heartbreak of it, it really brought home to my mind that over the last few years in Australia, we've had a lot of people, a lot of our friends who have lost their homes uh, to bushfires, to floods. Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. other things. And, you know, okay, so, you know, Shell and I have spent a considerable amount of time with Mon last night. But the question that was going through my mind is this, and I'm wondering whether you can help out our listeners because I think for our listeners, they're either going to experience something like this at some point in their life or they are going to be thrown into the situation where they are the support person. And my question is, when you are the support person Mm -hmm. and this happens... What do you do? Well, it's it's a hard one because you're very connected to Monica, so that means um, you feel it more than the outsider, someone who comes across her and helps her. So you just support her, you're going to be affected by the trauma. So I think that's one thing to take into consideration. Um, and initially, when a trauma like that occurs, usually it's, um, you don't think beyond it, it's, you're in shock because suddenly this loss has occurred um, and the, the trauma also is added to by the way the loss occurred. So this is where coming to terms with that and that immediate support of that person is crucial. And they find in any traumatic event, and that was highly traumatic, that the people who support make a huge difference as to whether that person can get through that trauma. And this is where feeling secure and attached to someone at the time is important. And that happened in this situation uh, with Monica where she turned to you um, and you were able to care for her. And I find that particularly touch, and I mean, there's got to be appropriate, so it depends on who is there, but um, even people who attend the crisis who they don't know, sometimes just a hug or a reassurance, a touch on the arm is very powerful in helping that person to be consoled. 
So mm. it comes back to who you know them and who they are as to how you might use that. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does but, absolutely make sense for sure, yeah. And, you know, yeah. it, of, of course um, it was both Shell and myself and so – you know, there's there's no difficulty with inappropriateness in that kind of uh, environment, and you know we were we were glad that we were able to help. And I mean, the you know on the positive side, she's she's you know got a health and a strength and a sound mind and all that kind of stuff. She's not physically harmed in any way, but it is a big hit and a and a big loss to deal with. Yeah. So the initial trauma which has just happened is helping the person through that and giving them safety, reassurance, um, and allowing them to talk, um, I think, is important if that's what they want to do. Some people tend to shut down and withdraw, um, but how it's dealt with at this time will determine whether it becomes one of those post-traumatic events that becomes a disorder. So this initial frontline work is, going to be valuable for someone like Monica in feeling she's not alone, that people care, that she's never, well, she's got somewhere to stay. Um, but also then looking at extended support. So you've got that initial input as a support person, then it's helping them to connect out to get the right help. Because when you're in trauma, it's hard to make phone calls, it's hard to reach out to people. So a support person can act on their behalf, like phoning their insurance company for them, while do it while they're present, mm-hmm. um, ask them what they need and being able to put in that initial input is also very powerful. So the person can be feeling helpless and until they start to pick up a bit and get, and get some sense of normality in that they're okay, they're there and, and to start to action things because they're you, well, you would be as well because you know her well, but she would have been thrown into this spin and this, this surreal world that suddenly everything she had is now gone and trying to get a head and heart around it is huge. Um, and this is where our faith comes into it. So praying with that person, helping them to understand because God doesn't just wipe things out and leave you high and dry and there's, there's always... I find there are purposes behind anything and God takes the good out of the bad. So um, it's helping her to get her head and heart around that and supporting her spiritually is very powerful. Yeah, and one of the things, you know, the message, one of the messages I just got here this this morning, she says, uh, um, she says, I just had a big cry because I lost all my Bibles, my little travel one that matches shells, my study one that I've had for years, mm-hmm. my new pretty art one. I think yeah. that'll, I think that'll be my first purchase, can't survive without it. How important is something like the Bible and reading the Bible for somebody who's just gone through this kind of trauma? Okay. Very powerful, but it comes back to having faith and that's something you do. Sometimes helping people with that and just having prayer if they don't really know God. So it comes back to what your beliefs and your faith are at that time. But I find even people who haven't even thought about it, haven't connected to God, you offer to pray for them is very powerful. But in this case, probably helping her to certainly have access to a Bible immediately, I think is important. And like me, you've probably got several Bibles. You can easily part with one that you really like that will be meaningful for her. So it's just looking at those little things that mean a lot to that person. And for Monica, that was a huge loss. 
which is um, something, sure, it can be replaced, but it's not the same. Your attachment to something determines the grief and the loss. So when you're highly attached to something, when that attachment is broken, that um, is very, that's the trauma. Mm. So she was obviously very attached to the word and to God and um, that, that was her first, seems to be one of her early reactions. Mm. Because she was very attached, so it's. Uh, but material things can be gained again. But at the time, it's not the actual physical Bible. It's her heart attachment, her spirit attachment to that that object. Now, what about what about finding meaning in something like this? I mean, you know, one of the things that I really struggle with is that you know you lose a house and it's a result of a natural disaster, and we understand that natural disasters happen. You lose a motor vehicle. I've had I've had a couple of cars that have been stolen from me over the years, and uh, you know you assume that they've been stolen so that the person can use it for parts or for you know whatever it might be. But when somebody just steals something, drives it for fifteen minutes and then just burns it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, this is this um, is just a senseless, yeah. random act of vandalism. It's not somebody who's, who's, who obviously knows this person. There's, there's no connection between them. It's not an act of revenge. It's just somebody who wants to destroy somebody's home. Uh, yeah. How do, you, yeah. how do you come to grips with something like that? I think that's going to take time because when something like that happens, it comes in waves. Initially, you're looking at your own needs, but then you start to really look at the intent of why someone would do that. And you feel violated because that person has taken something from you and intentionally or whatever had stolen it and caused that tragedy. And it's senseless, it's meaningless. So coming to terms with it, on the head level, the heart level, but also spiritually. And this is where uh, forgiveness has to become part of that reality for that person. Because if you harbour unforgiveness, then as you go along through this, the heart hardens and it's more traumatic. So that's a hard one, and that's something that uh, for Monica she'll have to do prayerfully. But at the moment, I think it's that initial support and letting her talk about it. Because it doesn't make sense. Mm. And it wasn't just a natural thing, as you said. And you do feel very violated because of that event. Whereas with nature, it's a different different level of tragedy. It's all tragedy, obviously. You lose your home, you lose your home. But how it happened is crucial in how you recover from it. Um, I think what you say there about forgiveness is incredibly powerful because I've seen the power of this in the past. and. You know, yeah. I mean, Lawson's reaction here this morning was, well, let's find the people who did this, lock them up and throw the key away, which I think is a very natural reaction that we all have to this kind of a situation. And then I'm like, okay, and once they're locked up and the key is thrown away, then let's go and witness to them and lead them to Jesus Christ, which would be a very hard thing to do. But there's some really amazing examples of that in history. We had um, Etty McClintock on here recently from Voice of the Martyrs, and he was talking about uh, Sabrina Wormbrandt, who actually led her family's kill. The, the person who killed her family actually led that person to Christ. Yes, yeah. How does it, was, yeah? How does a person yeah. do that? How do you get to the point where you can actually do that? I think this is where the only way you can do that is the having God's Spirit in the heart 
through the Holy Spirit to soften the heart. Um, you, I don't believe as human beings we've got that level of forgiveness in it. It has to be a spiritual process um, to, to set you free. And this is where it comes back to what what you're attached to and looking at yourself. And I can think of an example where it wasn't that long ago I was reading with example of a chat show where there were two people interviewed who'd had major losses where their daughters uh, or child had been murdered. Um, and the man, it was, uh, it was, there was a man and a woman who'd had the loss and the man, a terrorist had taken his daughter and she'd died and he'd forgiven and his, he was at peace with life and doing well. And the woman even years later had not forgiven and she was an embittered, sad woman whose life was over um, because she couldn't forgive. So there's two examples of this forgiveness sets you free. Mm. Uh, and that's the thing. As a support person, over time you can help. And being you being a spiritual person and a pastor, well, you can help uh, Monica to deal with that um, because you know her well. So it's something that we all have to come to terms with, whether it be for that or some even little things. Anything we're attached to, we lose. We've got to learn forgiveness of some sort. I've heard it said that a refusal to forgive allows mm. the perpetrator to live rent free in your brain, and oh, you certainly absolutely. wouldn't want to have mm. want that to happen. Mm. Yeah, that controls us for the rest of our life. We live it, we eat it, we breathe it, we think about it, and we get more and more embittered as we go. And we mustn't do that. It's, uh, it takes our relationship from God away. Mm. because he can't connect with us while we're looking. And it's very self-centered. Mm. You know, it's, it's about self. And there are some marvelous examples of what forgiveness can do. But, I mean, that's one aspect of it. But I think initially it's that support and helping someone like Monica to get in touch with community, with people, with friends, with supports, professional help, to be able to work through things um, and, and looking at, where she's going to live and help her on a practical level is very powerful. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We we really appreciate your time. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.